bringing you the facts handing you your rights this is law focus good evening to our listener it is exactly seven o'clock on the 4th of august 2020 it is the first law focused show on women's month uh, this year yeah uh, you're listening to us broadcasting on bowf m 88.1 my name is melissa tutuweni with me is tapa mohabi and we are back after a very long recess thank you so much for joining us we hope that you will continue this journey with us every single tuesday evening uh from here going forward remember that our show is aimed at dealing with issues relating to legal matters we have to inform you about your rights as well as our conversations about current issues within the legal fraternity. Now, we'd also like to inspire you by sharing positive and successful experiences of those who have done exceptionally well in the legal profession. And that is why this evening we've got someone from the South African Human Rights Commission. His name is Buang Jones. He comes with extensive experience in human rights law, and he's going to share his very inspirational journey with us to motivate the many young people who are listening this evening. Now, our social media is up and running, and we really, really appreciate it when you engage with us. The platforms that we are available on are Twitter, at VowFM, using the hashtag LawFocus. Uh, on Facebook, we are VowFM. Uh, for pod- podcasts, you can visit our website, wits.journalism.co.za forward slash law. And uh, you can also find us on Spotify. LawFocus, point, point of information. One of the most beautiful things about Life is sharing feel-good stories as well as amazing success stories, particularly from people who overcome major hurdles uh, to write inspirational journeys. And many of us need to hear about them so that we too can walk these difficult roads to achievement. Uh, one such story is Buang Jones. He's a provincial head of the South African Human Rights Commission in South Africa. He's also currently acting as the commission's head of legal services um, at the Human Rights Commission, uh, and his current role is very exciting, uh, especially because the Human Rights Commission is one of Africa's chapter nine institutions. Now, Wang Jones was previously a criminal law attorney with the Legal Aid of South Africa before becoming the Commission's provincial head and senior legal officer in the Free State, uh, eventually moving to Gauteng in 2016. He passed his attorney's board exam at first attempt in 2009, and he's also a member of the Legal Practice Council. Besides being a staunch Christian who enjoys hiking, reading, and podcasts, Huang prefers spending his private time with loved ones. His passion for fighting for the rights of the vulnerable is evident in his work. Welcome to Law Focus, Huang. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. How do you feel that at the young age of 32 in 2017, yeah? You are the youngest attorney to manage a provincial office for the South African Human Rights Commission? Yes, um, it it, it was um, a humbling moment for me. And it also demonstrated that um, even institutions supporting democracy support young leaders and and, uh, people who have demonstrated leadership um, qualities in their line of work. So it was an honor indeed, which I did not take for granted. And I have shown that young people can make it. We are also leaders in our own right. And it is important for other institutions to emulate what the South African Human Rights Commission did in investing in someone who at the time 
demonstrated great potential and I'm glad that um, that investment is beginning to um, reap the, the results or the rewards that they had anticipated. I think I, I think absolutely I agree with you. South Africa is a young country anyway. It's it's important to see more of us actually taking up crucial leadership roles in the country. I think that makes sense. And and maybe you can tell us a bit about your life story. You grew up in free states, and we understand it's a poverty stricken background, like most of us black people anyway. Uh, you know, it's 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 common for us to grow up. It's a shack. It's a bucket. It's the pit toilet. Um, it's very common. It's nothing. You know. Uh, and particular and refuse to allow your circumstances though to define your dreams take us through your journey you know tell us more about your experiences and at which point did you decide law that's it yes um i i I grew up in an informal setting uh we stayed at an informal settlement i grew up with um six other siblings we were all raised by a single mother who is a retired teacher now. And at the time, um, I, I, I was the most vocal um, in the house. I was the most vocal um, at church when there were issues. Uh, uh, um, vocalized the challenges that were uh, facing young people um, at church. So from time to time, I would ponder um, endlessly uh, on what I could do to remedy um, the socioeconomic conditions under which we lived in. Because um, we'd walk distances just to go and fetch water. We used bucket toilets. Uh, we stayed in a shack. And through reading and acquainting myself with uh, the constitution, I then learned of the existence of chapter nine institutions bodies which were established to strengthen democratic governance and the persistent uh, lack of amenities inspired me and spawned an unstoppable motivation within me to use the law to bring about social change. So I was uh, very clear um, when I was in grade 12 that I want to be a lawyer at some point. Uh, in the early stages, I was a bit confused, but um, my uh, goals were solidified by the circumstances under which I lived under, to use the law to bring about um, social change. Yeah, no, that's, when you've lived it, yeah, it becomes something that you won't ever forget, I, I assume, because you were there when things were happening, you experienced it with the community rather than coming in, being parachuted from somewhere and just seeing here and there. Musa. It sticks with you, Musa. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that that is important because I can relate to um, any person. Uh, I can relate to people who have uh, nothing. I can, relate, I can relate to people who have um, plenty and who are wealthy. And it is important because when I do my work, I know that in the end, it is for the betterment of society, it is for the common good of all, and I wouldn't want people to live under the circumstances under which I grew up, 
uh, in and much more can still be done. I mean, there, there, there are a number of challenges and, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm using this uh, privilege and opportunity that I've been given to um, fight for, um, for a better society and to bring about the, the required social transformation. No, I, well, that's, that's excellent to hear. Now, growing up where you did, it would have, I don't know, it's, I, I imagine sometimes it's hard to find role models and perhaps people you can look at as being, um, you see that, you see that man there or that woman there, that one I won't let them down or that one I want to be like. Now, in the media, we've, we've said once or twice that a big influence from a legal point of view, you know, uh, was the former chief, deputy chief justice, Moseneke, uh, particularly while you were in high school. Who else, whether from the legal fraternity, perhaps, or, or from other parts of your life, who are the people that you looked at and said, regardless of where I am now, look at where that man is, I want to be there, or whenever I had things that didn't work out, or I was at my weakest, this person was always there for me. Who's your inspiration to get from where you were to where you are now? Well, I, I wouldn't, um, I mean, other than the Deputy Chief Justice, Dikhamo uh, Senek, I don't want to single out any other person, but I drew from uh, experiences of others. I learned from those who um, uh, came before me and who came from similar conditions and used their situation to change the lives of the people around them. So in a, a lot of um, uh, Black South Africans can relate with um, uh, living in abject poverty, li- living in underdeveloped areas, living in squalor. And there are a lot of people in the community who, you know, when there are graduations, um, there are celebrations, uh, uh, th- th- those people um, would um, inspire me to know that I can use education as a tool to liberate myself from the shackles of poverty. Uh, and now, going back to your, cho- your choices as a lawyer, you know, to become a lawyer, uh, part of the reason was to try and help make a difference within the Republic to the citizens of the Republic. Now, okay, once you enter the legal profession, it can be a little bit difficult to achieve that. You know, you have to balance things, etc., etc. But so far, how do you feel about your choice uh, and whether um, you're happy with the differences that you've made um, where do you think you'd like to still make an impact in uh, the lives of South Africans? No, thank you for the question. Um, my, my current role fits um, perfectly um, with the background that I've given um, because I'm required to foster public understanding of human rights. A lot of people who reside in far-flung areas, peri-urban environments, and rural areas don't have access to information. They don't know about their rights. And it's often difficult for people to assert their rights when they don't know about them. So I'm using the, the, my, my platform to ensure that people have firstly access to information about human rights. They know 
how to claim their rights. Secondly, I also assist people with securing appropriate redress where there has been violations of human rights. But the other aspect which is very important is to also you, you is utilizing um, our eminent role as a chapter nine to policies, to law reform, to any other regulatory uh, 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 framework that seeks to uh, ensure that we fulfill, we respect, we promote and uphold the rights in the Bill of Rights. Mm, yeah, they can't be an afterthought, can they? They must be part of each and every day experience, whether it's in the court or it's in parliament or it's in the city council, whatever the case may be. It must be there. They it must be afterthought. No, they can't, they can't be an afterthought. And I think part of the mistake we've made as a society is to just tell people about their rights uh, and not um, capacitate public officials. Because in most instances, it is the, the very same public officials who infringe on the rights of ordinary citizens. And the very same public officials are not fully conversant with the provisions of the Constitution uh, and the Bill of Rights, which is the rule book that should govern all of us as citizens of this country. And I, I see the Commission as a platform which can assist in playing that intermediary role, in ensuring on the one hand that we make the public aware uh, of their rights, and on the other hand, we make public officials aware of their responsibilities in fulfilling and promoting human rights because government is the primary implementer of human rights. Government has the primary obligation of implementing human rights. Our role is merely that of a watchdog uh, body which seeks to ensure that uh, human rights are protected, promoted, and we ensure that uh, uh, they, they are realized through our constant and continuous monitoring uh, of human rights observance throughout the Republic. Hmm. We're going to take a quick ad break, uh, but stay tuned. We're, we're talking to Mr. Buang Jones uh, in his role as a commissioner of the, in the Human Rights Commission of South Africa. And uh, this is not gold dust. We're getting gold nuggets here. So stay tuned. It really might have a big impact on your well-being and your life. Voice of Witz has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to the code, you may inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to BCCSA, PO Box 412365, Craig Hall 2024, or send a fax to... 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za Law Focus on Valfang 88.1 Point of Information
Welcome back to No Focus. And if you have just joined us, we are in conversation with Mr. Buang Jones. You might have heard he is the South African Human Rights Commission here in Gauteng. And he's sharing his inspirational journey with us. Secretive Amy on how at the young age of 35, he has managed to achieve what he has achieved within the legal fraternity. It's not an easy industry. Very untransformed. So he needs to tell us how he's managed to navigate his way through it. And uh, some of his career highlights for those of you who might not be aware. He has worked on the Adam Catavello's hate speech case. Angelo Agritti's racist slur case, as well as the Black Land First political slogan, hate speech case. He has also chaired uh, investigation inquiries into the Val River pollution, Charlotte Maclege hospital protests, and the UNISA inquiry into allegations of racism, harassment, and discrimination, just to name a few. There's much more that he has also done within his uh, career. Uh, we asked you at the beginning to share you know, your take on the work that the South African Human Rights Commission also does, and this is what she had to say. This is for the listener. My name is Mpumezo. The Human Rights Commission is a very slow chapter nine institution compared to its counterparts being the Auditor General, the Public Protector, and the IEC. It is a sitting duck that is not fulfilling its constitutional mandate of proactively educating the people about human rights and human rights violations, which would also aid it in another constitutional mandate, which is to investigate these violations. But it mostly plays a role of the friend of the court in many major court matters where it should have been the main player. Hi. I'm Deba Jamakafula, a law student at Sveds University. The South African Human Rights Commission is mandated to promote and respect human rights. I think they are important in the society and amongst others, they displayed their important role in the society when they joined the case of Center for Child Lovers, Minister of Basic Education and others, as Amicus Curie, in which the court ruled that the right to education is conferred to everyone, irrespective of whether they are documented or not. I still believe that that they need to embark on an intense journey to deal with inequality, to be specific, access to economic opportunities for the marginalized. Thank you. Good day, everyone. My name is Faith Litiba from Northcliffe. Yes, I am pro-Human Rights Commission with their continuous contribution to its commitment to promote respect for and protection of human rights without fear and favor. And yes, given our rich history in our society where our human rights have been violated for so long and to some extent still are violated, I do think they are an important part of our society and they play a very major role in protecting these rights. Thank you. Good day, my name is Rose Ndeche and I'm a law student at the University of the Vetsvatsus Front. The South African Human Rights Commission plays a very important role in our society because they ensure that human rights violations are dealt with accordingly. And with this being said, they also ensure that the Constitution is not only a theoretical um, concept, but they take a pragmatic approach to human rights in all aspects. But Buang, perhaps you are still able to, you know, give us feedback on the South African Human Rights Commission and the work that you guys do. How impactful do you think it is? Is it something that you always wanted to go into, South African Human Rights Commission in particular? Um, is human rights law what you are very, very interested in? And then how impactful do you think 
it has been as an organization, not just what you have done, but the organization itself. Yeah, um, 2020 marks the 25th year anniversary since the establishment of the South African Human Rights Commission. And over the years, the commission has made um, inroads and there are a number of successes. There are a number of challenges, of course, um, with, with all institutions uh, or statutory bodies, there are always challenges. And I, I just want to highlight some of the notable um, interventions of the commission over the years. Um, we investigated um, racism in the media. Um, we've done a number of interventions in the health sector. We've conducted um, several investigations which looked at the systemic challenges um, uh, uh, regarding healthcare services um, in the country. In Gauteng, we've looked at um, the lamentable state of hospitals. And over the years, the most reported complaint has remained uh, racism, which to me says we have, th th there has been little attitudinal change on the part of um, some of our um, white compatriots in embracing um, the values that underlie our democratic society and embracing uh, human rights principles. Of course, the Commission um, can still do much more to, um, uh, to, 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 to deal with the schedule of racism and and other social ills that bedevil uh, uh, our society. But what we have not uh, been able to do due to uh, capacity and resource constraints is to have satellite offices so that our, our work is accessible to women in rural areas, to children in rural areas, to children in peri-urban environments, because at the moment, we only have institutional presence in all the urban centers in the country. And this limits our capacity to reach um, the four corners of this country. But much more can still be done. We intend to focus on forming coalitions with NGOs, with young people, with student formations, with um, community-based organizations. Uh, to bring about um, a culture of human rights, to embed a culture of human rights in our society. And of course, because of the challenges of corruption, we have also decided to um, focus on that. And in the next uh, coming months, and yes, you'll see the Commission uh, conducting a number of investigations um, uh, into allegations of corruption, because there is a link between corruption and service delivery. Corruption does impact on the realization of human rights. Absolutely, totally agreed. I mean, you said a mouthful there. Um, I don't know which questions to start off with first. You know, on the one hand, you I think I've seen in the news how you have been in trouble a bit for 
you know your your very staunch comments about white counterparts being racist i don't know if you are able to now you know you know have you know what, what is your take on when you see and you experience something and you make comments about it in the public and yet at the same time it comes back to bite you in the back how do you then navigate your own views and your experiences with also being a leader of an organization that says oh you know like say this this way or whatever you know i think i'm going to start off there thank you for for this question um i think it is important for me to clear the misconception um around the work of the human rights commission um, just to simplify this, is that we receive complaints from members of the public, but we are also permitted to initiate our own investigations. We also can litigate, meaning as a complainant, after we've assessed your matter and determined that there is a human rights violation and that this human rights violation can only be realized through a court process. We then take your matter to court to vindicate your rights. And in the case that is um, that I'm often attributed that is often attributed uh, uh, to me because of the alleged unsavory comments, I was advocating for the interests of those who were violated. And of course, media reports. Uh, sometimes tend to be too sensational and people often don't uh, don't read and rely on, on on media headlines but i've explained uh, even on the occasion of my interview before the portfolio committee on justice when i was interviewed for the deputy public protector position that my comments were taken out of context and they must also understand our mandate that the moment the South African Human Rights Commission acts in a representative capacity for a complainant in a court of law, we cease to be neutral. We are now partial and representing the interests of the complainant. But when we investigate, we can't take sides because we have to remain neutral. And then at the end of the investigation process, make a finding as to whether or not the allegations that have been made amount to a violation of human rights. But you are also empowered to, to uh, mediate uh, disputes between parties. So we can also play a mediatory role uh, between parties. And this is a voluntary process. And, and, and that's what we have, we have done. So I'm fiercely independent. I'm very outspoken. You cannot be bring about change when um, you you, you, you are apprehensive to speak truth to power. I am acting uh, on behalf of the downtrodden masses of our people, people who often don't have the means to access their rights. And I'm unapologetic about that. And that, that does not mean that um, I, 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 I'm not objective. And uh, because there's a distinction, it depends. If the matter is before a court of law, we, are, we, 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 we can't be objective because we are advocating for the interest of the person who has been violated. But if we're investigating, we have to remain neutral throughout. And when we play an intermediary role, we just facilitate the, the, the session to assist parties 
to arrive at a mutually acceptable solution. The answer, the answer, the one or two of the questions I was actually going to ask you, but drawing from that uh, and some of the criticisms that you've received, one of the biggest criticisms, perhaps, that I've, 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 I've heard—it's not against yourself; it's against the commission—is that it seems to, um, it seems to only be, um, it seems to only investigate incidents where white people are accused of violating other people's rights. That's one of the big criticisms from everybody. Well, not from everybody, but from certain sections of, 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 of the population. And uh, what have you learned from those kinds of criticisms or similar criticisms? And what would you say about that? Well, to us, we take it as constructive feedback from uh, South Africans. Their perceptions of this important organization are important because at the end of the day, it is their institution. It was created um, to uh, strengthen democratic governance, but to also promote and fulfill the rights in the Bill of Rights. So we are the custodian of all the rights in the Bill of Rights. So, so, so some of the allegations um, are, are without merit and are unfounded because we, and we have shared this with Afroforum, Solidarity, and other parties. Uh, we've shared our stats with them. Annually, we release the report called the Annual Trends Analysis Report. We have taken on, in fact, uh, I was probably the first provincial head, when I was still the provincial head in the free state, who made a finding against a black person who had unfairly discriminated against white people. So I have taken on black people, colored people, Indian people, and white people. And we continue to discharge our mandate without fear, favor, and prejudice. And we cannot turn away people when they lodge complaints. And in the main, black people are at the receiving end of racism. And the majority of complaints that we have received are from black people. And we all have to work together to eradicate um, the, the, the scourge of racism in a country and to help the commission to, to fulfill its, its, its core mandates, which is to promote, to protect, and to monitor human rights in the Republic. But we have taken note of the criticism. We, we, have, we, we, we do on a periodic basis conduct um, uh, strategic review meetings to assess the external environment and to note some of the concerns that have been raised by um, members of the public, by members of parliament, by NGOs in the sector. So we do accept uh, constructive criticism and sometimes depending on who is at the receiving end. Uh, and most of the time, those who are at the receiving end of our adverse findings, they are um, the first to complain when we take on um, uh, cases. And we know that uh, there will be mistakes 
and we will own those mistakes when when, when they happen and we will acknowledge where there are shortcomings I, I i love your passion so far you know and i hope that when you guys start taking on corruption cases it's going to be just as strong we want to see you know real difference in south africa it's about time it's not wrong for us to continue having corruption as it is in this country it's absolutely uncalled for so when you guys finally take that stand get young people there in those seats who are going to be uncorruptible and they're going to be doing the work that needs to be done also earlier on you highlighted uh you know you made reference to when you uh, something about the public protector uh, role that you had applied for. You are shortlisted, one of the seven candidates, which is great. You're a young guy. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but but you, unfortunately, you, you were not given the job. Well, how do you feel about, you know, your journey, right, during the interviews, etc.? cetera? And, and uh, looking back, uh, how do you feel about the person who has now filled in the position? Uh, do you think the right candidate was chosen? Or do you think perhaps you should have been the right candidate at that particular time? And why? <laughs> well, I, I think Parliament made um, the correct decision by appointing Advocate uh, Kaleka. She has a lot of experience a lot of prosecutorial experience and she's worked for the state law advisor. Uh, but of course, I would have, you know, uh, made um, a lot of difference in that I've been in the human rights space for a period of 10 years. I have a good track record. I'm well versed with uh, in the intricacies of administrative and constitutional law, I, I've been a litigator. I'm still a litigator. I'm a mediator. I'm a public interest lawyer. So that role um, would have been a perfect fit. But parliamentarians lamented my young age, which is fine. Uh, but I hope there will be opportunities in the future I will support the deputy public protector. We need more women in leadership roles. And uh, she, she needs um, all our support. And I hope that she becomes the next uh, public protector. Okay, all right. And on that note, we are going to take a break and we're going to come back with Mr. Buwan Jones. You want to stay uh, tuned to Law Focus this evening uh, for us to continue this interview. You don't want to miss it. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VALFAM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Cases of COVID-19 continue to rise in South Africa. As VALFAM, we encourage you to stay at home. Only go out to buy essential things. Continue to sanitize and wash your hands thoroughly for 20 seconds. VowFM cares. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. So, Mr. Buang Jones, um, we have already touched on some of your frustrations, some of your challenges, the good things that you have uh, the, the, you know, in your line of work. What about when you look at the law, when you look at policy documents, litigation, you know, and feel that the lived experience, despite the legislation, yeah, is not really uh, for victims, for ordinary citizens, for economic migrants, for women, children, persons living with special needs, you know, sometimes it's not even previously marginalized 
you know, ongoing even now. It's endless. It's absolutely endless. What is your take then on the correlation between the law and the real life experiences of people uh, in 2020 South Africa? How, you know, how would you explain that for you? Yeah, yeah there, there are still challenges. Um, a lot of people, there, there are so many barriers uh, for people to access justice. Um, access to justice is still a challenge in the country. Um, we have noted a surge in the number of gender-based violence cases. And despite this, the, the increase in, in the number of GVV cases, we have not seen uh, convictions, many convictions. Um, we, we have not seen sentences or, uh, uh, or term of imprisonment imposed or punishment meted out serving as a deterrence. They, they, so, so they ask them challenges. So of there, there's also um, a, a cost factor. So legal access to legal to, uh, to justice is very expensive in this country. Uh, a, a lot of people still, you know, rely on the Human Rights Commission, Legal Aid South Africa, Center for Applied Legal Studies, and other um, law clinics um, to 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 seek um, uh, for, for, for purposes of seeking justice. So 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 there are still many barriers for women, for children, for LGBTIQ groups and um, for victims of, of, of human rights violation in general. And of course, there are challenges in the criminal justice as well. Um, the surety of our approach to investigations by some of our law enforcement agencies is still a challenge. The NPA, uh, they the, the have a new head now, and we hope that there will be ch uh, changes and they will do something to bring about um, uh, justice to, to, to victims of, of crime and human rights violations. And, and I think one of the questions I definitely have to ask, you spoke about your mom, uh, who was a teacher before, um, you know, and I'm in the education sector as well. Um, the lockdown has had myriads of challenges for everyone, sure. It's affected absolutely everything, get that. What is then your take on how it has been handled, uh, the lockdown generally, by decision makers and reinforcement authorities that's question number one and then in addition to that if you can tell us make your comment on on the views about schools yeah balancing the right to education versus the right to life not just for the pupils obviously but also for the educators the staff uh who have to be there every single day more than 50 people in that space um yeah what's your take on that yeah um my view is that um the state is in an unenviable position. They have to strike a balance between all these competing interests, competing demands and competing rights. On the one hand, you want to use education as a tool to bring about equality in the country, to, to ensure that no one is left behind. On the other hand, you have this global pandemic which is exposing our inequalities in the country, but which is also a threat to the livelihoods of many South Africans and also poses serious health risks to those who are at the core phase or, um, or on the forefront 
of, of, of trying to deal with this pandemic. So it is a, 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 a challenge. And the commission has been monitoring the preparedness of schools. Uh, we've done a number of monitoring um, visits to schools across the country to assess their level of readiness. And we recently pronounced that the decision by the president to close the schools again is regrettable. But we also see this as an opportunity for, for government to embrace new technologies, new teaching methods, to review the curriculum, use technology to teach and to, to, to also level the playing field so that children in rural areas, in far-flying areas, can also have access to um, all these um, uh, available technologies. And during the lockdown, or since the start of the lockdown, we've seen an increase in a number of reported police brutality cases. We know of the death of one Mr. Koza in Alexandra, who died um, at the hands of law enforcement officials and members of the SANDF. This matter is still subject of investigation and, uh, and, and, and litigation. We are also representing um, Mr. Sifata, who is based in the Val area, who was also brutally assaulted by members of the South African National Defense Force. So it says to us that we have to do more to ensure that police adhere to the Constitution, that when they embark on policing during the lockdown, they act within the bounds of, or the constraints of the Constitution, and in the process of accessing their duties, they do not infringe on the rights of others. The lockdown has been a challenge. We've, we've received so many complaints, and some of which are still under investigation, but the, the, the lockdown period and, uh, and this pandemic, which we are currently crippling with, has exposed um, um, some of the socioeconomic challenges that we have in the country, and we hope that government will use this opportunity to accelerate um, socioeconomic development in the country and to ensure that the majority of South Africans have access to the mainstream economy because many of our challenges are structural. And, because, and, and these are some of the things we inherited from uh, apartheid and we have not um, dismantled the apartheid structure of the economy. We have not dismantled the patriarchal nature of our society. We have, uh, and, and we can see the brutalizing effects of apartheid manifesting themselves in violent conduct by members of the SNDF and members of the South African uh, police service. So uh, we, 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 we hope that um, through our monitoring and when we release our report on the state of human rights, we will reflect on some of these issues. That's very, very important to deal with. I mean, everything, what we had, the challenges we had 25 years ago are not exactly the same as the ones we have today and the ones we'll have in 20 years from today.
But in 20 years from today, let's assume that you won't still be at the Human Rights Commission. Let's assume that. And you look back at your period at the Human Rights Commission and you say to yourself, someone working there or someone looking at the history of the Human Rights Commission during my tenure there, what do you want us or uh, a law student or somebody else to take away from your period at the Human Rights Commission to say, while he was there, I know that this is what changed. I want to be remembered for this. Yeah, um, it's, 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 a, it's an important question. Um, how I would like to be remembered. And I often tell those I work with, you know, that we should really do a number of, you know, uh, interventions that we call legacy projects. Things we can look back on and say, you know what, through th- it is through this intervention that we brought about changes. So there are a number of cases and investigations that have been involved in which I think will set uh, uh, a precedent and which will probably bring about changes. The first one is the Val Inquiry. I had the privilege of chairing the inquiry the Val River system is polluted and it has been so for many years. And when I took over as the Houghton Provincial Head, it is one of the systemic investigations that I initiated because the Val River traverses five provinces, 19 million South Africans rely on the Val River more than 900, 900 um, uh, companies rely on the Val River system. Farming communities who stay adjacent to the river rely on, on, on the river system. And I hope when we release the, the Val River inquiry report before the end of this year, that some of our recommendations will result in good quality management in the country in good management of water resources, of wastewater treatment plants, and of our rivers and environment. And there's another report coming up. We've concluded our investigations regarding socioeconomic challenges in Alexandra. We see Alexandra as a good case study on how government can learn from a failed from a failed regeneration program and we hope that through the recommendations recommendations and findings will make that government will use those recommendations and findings to bring about changes not just here in Houting but across the country in Kailicha in Mdanzani in in Botsabelo, in Umlazi, in Tuzuma, and and other townships across the country where people people still reside in in high-density areas, uh, 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 congested environments. So so that's one of the interventions I hope I'll be remembered by because it, it is profoundly linked to the social 
economic challenges that we, are, we still face in this country. And of course, we've taken on a number of cases to court. And part of the strategy was to amplify awareness uh, on issues of racism. We have, through our interventions, uh, uh, amplified awareness about the scale of racism in the country. It has become a talking point. It is divisive. But we hope that through those interventions, uh, people can learn their um, uh, prejudicial behaviors and racist uh, behaviors. And we will soon embark on another investigation, which looks at the impact of mine dumps on, on the health of citizens. In Gauteng here, we have so many mine dumps or tailings, which have, has, have had adverse effects on the uh, health of many communities in Reveille, Deep Kloof, in the West Rand, in the East Rand, in Velkom, and other parts of the country where they have uh, mining. Uh, in the Western area, in Rustenburg, in Limpopo, uh, and, and, and other areas. So, that, that, so that's one of the investigations. And for me, it's also to say people can because people finally believed. Because for so many years, the commission had not become this visible. And since I took over, we've become more visible. People know about the Human Rights Commission. And we've, we've seen an increase in the number of complaints we've received. We've seen um, more cooperation from government because they know that there is a Human Rights Commission which is fiercely independent which is uh, taking on government. And one area which we have not focused on, which I hope will also be another legacy project, is to focus on human rights violations in the private sector. The South African Human Rights Commission is the only uh, chapter nine institution that has the broadest mandate. Our mandate is not only limited to human rights violations in the public sector but also in the private sector, non-state actors. So we hope that uh, we, we will look at systemic challenges in the private sector. There are still a number of challenges, issues relating to environmental violations, lack of transformation, and, um, and, and, and of course, there, there, there is corruption, which impacts uh, on human rights, and of course, uh, 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 workers' rights, a number of workers' uh, rights are violated by private companies. And the private companies are enjoined or required by the Companies Act to promote human rights. So human rights compliance in the private sector will be one of the legacy projects. And I hope uh, one day I'll look back uh, at some of these interventions and look at how they have helped government, they have helped individuals, they have helped businesses to embed a new culture of human rights. I think that was a mouthful, you know, as you were speaking, my head is going crazy with so many things that I want to say and like we don't have time and I'm just like thinking, yo, human rights violations in the home, women, gender-based violence, femicide, the police, you go, you report a case, you're asked, why were you wearing that? Oh my goodness. You know, it'd be nice to hear if there's a way that 
because precedence is the law is the law, but the law sometimes is extremely patriarchal, you know, and I wish there was a way of us shifting and transforming it to be more in line with our modern era, you know, in such a way that we've got more justice than injustice for people who have been abused in particular circumstances. Perhaps you want to respond to that, but while, while you do, uh, for me personally, I'm interested in knowing there's a lot of young people who listen to this uh, show. They're looking for opportunities. They are studying law. Sometimes it's difficult um, to complete that degree. It's tough. You leave and then you get into an industry and you're like, yeah, nah. Mara, these lawyers, they manipulate the law and they don't even take it seriously. They abuse you as an attorney who is a junior attorney, whatever. Um, if people are interested in human rights law, you know, how can they, you know, navigate towards that career path? And are there perhaps any vacancies at the gender, com- at the, sorry, <laughs> at the Human Rights Commission? And um, how do people get in touch with you guys in order for them to, to have something and do make a difference? Because I think a lot of young people would like to make a difference in that uh, department. Yeah, firstly, uh, I would like to encourage young people to get into the habit of doing voluntary work during their studies. So, I mean, when you don't have classes, you come to the Human Rights Commission to volunteer time and services. At the end of your period of uh, voluntary work, you'll get a nice testimonial letter from us, which is important, by the way, Um, because it is done by other people um, and it's often people from affluent families who will come and volunteer their time and at the end of the, 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 the period of uh, vacation work, they get a nice volu- uh, I mean, testimonial letter which they use to then apply for jobs. So that's the first part. The second part is that we, we do have opportunities. Um, the South African Human Rights Commission, again, is the South African Human Rights Commission is the only Chapter 9 institution that is a fully fledged legal practice, meaning we can take in candidate attorneys. So if you want to serve your articles, uh, you can you know, apply and join the Human Rights Commission. From, from time to time, there are internship opportunities at the Human Rights Commission. And um, People should visit our website, follow us on Twitter and Facebook um, for more uh, updates on opportunities at the Commission. But uh, human rights work is fulfilling. Human rights work is uh, something that should be everybody's business. And I hope that all the student formations uh, at the university will get into um, uh, human rights work they will invite us to address uh, students and they will work with us in embedding a human rights culture within their respective campuses. Get in there. Guys, if human rights is what you want to do, human rights is a wonderful part of the law. It's a difficult part of the law. It's challenging. I did it for a very short amount of time and it, it was difficult. It's challenging. It can be emotionally taxing. But when, when you walk away from it, at the end of the day, I tell you, nothing makes you feel better than that when you've helped people. So look into it. If it's something that you want to do, really go for it. Don't hold back on it. Corporate isn't everything. Uh, I can testify to you that really corporate work and private practice 
it's fun, it's interesting, but it's not, can be sometimes less fulfilling uh, than some of the work that you do in the various human rights spaces. Um, and the Human Rights Commission can be a great leap, uh, leaping you know, springboard into other forms of human rights work, whatever you want to do. All right, well, we've, well, we're just about done now. Um, we're almost out of time. And this has been Buang Jones, the head uh, of the, sorry, it's not the head, but the Buang Jones of the Gauteng Provincial uh, Human, the, ooh, <laughs> I'm sorry, of the Gauteng Province Human Rights Commission. Uh, and we've just heard some of his wonderful moments um, from growing up as a young man to uh, his time as uh, spearheading a very important organization. Thank you very much, Buang, for your time. And we wish you the best in your journey, both at the Commission and further. Thank you for having me. And I really enjoyed the interview. We all have a responsibility as South Africans to restore dignity, to secure rights, and to strengthen our democracy. We cannot do it alone as the Human Rights Commission. We need all hands on deck. We need all the volunteers. We need actors, we need human rights champions uh, to help us to uh, achieve all the foundational values of our constitution. Thank you again. And I think that was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, conversation we just had there with Mr. Buang Jones. Guys, your dreams are valid. They are important. You can make it from any circumstance. You can become whatever it is that you want to become. And everyone's story is important. Everyone's journey is important. It does not matter where you come from. He made human rights, like, literally, it's such a beautiful uh, part of our South African law and practice. Why would you not want to be part of that? It's everyone's duty, as you heard very clearly. Um, you know, whether you are struggling, your online education during the lockdown, it's difficult, tough as it is, listen, you can do it. One day you will look back and you'll be like, wow, somehow I managed to go through that. Be a brand of your own community. Make a difference for ordinary people and for the country. However way you choose to serve, it is absolutely possible. And do join us again next week for an educational and inspiring hour of Law Focus. Uh, Tepo, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, no, no. I think we've said everything we want to say. I just hope that um, whatever you listen, listen to tonight, you'll be able to take a little bit away for you to think about um, your future as a, as a either community activist or a legal professional or just as, you, as someone at home and how they, you can um, help to make human rights a little bit more reality for the people around you. Absolutely. And, and on that note, from our producer, Rifilwe Mwekwa, our technical producer, Guprano Serane, Sepo Mohapi, myself, Millicent Ntiweni, thank you so much for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Good night, keep safe, and stay blessed. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus.